It is 7 Central African time. You are listening to Africa Rise and Shine here on Channel Africa from an African perspective. Good morning. Coming up on the show this hour, concerns over conditions at several South African border posts and India to launch world's biggest coronavirus vaccination program. All this and more coming up on the show, but first the news with Onel and Zinzi. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Thank you, Kumbero. South Africa's Department of Health has reported 17,421 new COVID-19 cases in the past 24 hours and 339 COVID-19-related deaths. South Africa has recorded 1,231,597 infections since the start of the pandemic and over 33,000 fatalities. Scientists have expressed concern over the current positivity rate being around 30%, meaning one out of every two to three people test positive for COVID-19. Dr. Ridwan Suleiman is a senior researcher at the Council for Scientific and Industrial Research. What we have seen over the last eight weeks or so is that test positivity rate has been increasing and worryingly up to record high levels. Over the past week, we saw that the test positivity rate has decreased by 5% compared to the previous week and currently just over 30%. So that is a glimmer of hope. At least we see this measure has turned the corner this past week. That being said, the test positivity at 30% is still worryingly high. We're finding a positive case for every two to three tests conducted. Meanwhile, social movement Action South Africa has questioned the government's decision to keep Cuban doctors in the country when there are over 40,000 frozen posts in the health department and 500 unemployed local doctors in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Action SA says it has launched a campaign to let unemployed doctors and other medical staff identify themselves by signing up at the higermedicalheroes.co.za. Action SA President Hemen Mashaba says he will Health Minister Zulim Kize to hire the medical personnel. The situation arises from over 40,000 medical posts that remain frozen by the Department of Health despite the desperate need for medical personnel to combat this pandemic. Daily, we learn of patients dying in hospital corridors or being turned away because of a lack of capacity to treat them. Upon receiving responses from the affected doctors, Action SA will petition the Minister of Health to do what should have been done months ago, that the state employ these medical professionals and help save the lives of South Africans. We call upon the medical community and all South Africans to ensure that every unemployed doctor or nurse learn of this campaign. By doing so, we can fight for them so that they can fight for all of us. Algerian President Abdel Majid Tibon has flown back to Germany to receive treatment in hospital for complications in his foot resulting from a coronavirus infection. The 75-year-old has returned home was had returned home rather two weeks ago from Germany following two months of treatment for COVID-19. 
Campaigning ahead of the January 14 election in Uganda, which pits President Yoro Museveni against 10 other candidates, including pop star turned lawmaker Bobby Wine, has been marked by brutal crackdowns on opposition rallies. Wine has been arrested multiple times with security personnel routinely breaking up his rallies. In November, 54 people were killed on security forces quelled protests after Wine was detained. Reporters have also been attacked by police, senior security officials, shall say the country has space in prisons to cope with any spike in arrests during the presidential election, including that of reporters. After two days of silence following his ban from social media platforms, outgoing U.S. President Donald Trump is expected to travel to Texas to visit a stretch of the border wall that he promised to build. Less than 10 days before Democratic President-elect Joe Biden is sworn in, Democrats plan to vote to urge Vice President Mike Pence to take steps to remove Trump from office. This follows last week's violence protests at the Capitol building, which resulted in the deaths of five people. Trump, who without evidence challenged the validity of Biden's election victory and urged on supporters before they laid siege to the Capitol. The Attorney General of the Washington's District of Columbia, Carl Roshin, says dozens of people were arrested. The charges so far have ranged from violating a curfew, unlawful entry, weapons charges, not having the appropriate permission to have those weapons. There were also two pipe bombs that were found near the DNC and the Republican National Committee headquarters and offices like ours, the Office of Attorney General in D.C. and the federal prosecutor, the U.S. Attorney's Office, are looking at a host of potential charges, including murder, felony murder, rioting, sedition, incitement to riot and incitement to violence. Channel Africa News, I am SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Follow Channel Africa on these social media platforms. On Facebook, Channel Africa One. On Twitter, at Channel Africa One and YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective. You are listening to Africa Rise and Shine on Channel Africa from an African perspective. Good morning. Shelters for displaced foreign nationals in and around South Africa's Musina town in Limpopo say they are overwhelmed with requests to take in stranded Zimbabweans. The Bight Bridge border post has experienced heavy congestion as thousands of travelers return to South Africa after the festive season. COVID-19 regulations caused further delays, many crossing illegally and who can't return to Zimbabwe in the wake of the country's hard lockdown are in need of shelter. Pimani Baloi filed this report. 26 girls who are residents of the MG Matsaung Center, located at the United Reformed Church in Ensfield Township in Musina, play in the churchyard. There's a similar boys-only center several kilometers away. Most of the girls have been living at the center 
since they were infants. Among them is a 16-year-old who has been a resident here for six years. The grade 8 learner walked into South Africa at the age of 10 from Zimbabwe with a group of other miners in search for greener pastures. She says back in Zimbabwe, she lived in abject poverty with her ailing mother and younger siblings. I don't wish like to go to Zimbabwe. I mean, I'll go, but then I feel at home here. I don't miss anything. Like since I was child, all I wanted was to go to school. But then here yeah, I'm going to school. I have nothing to worry about. The girl dreams of financial freedom and the ability to provide for her siblings as well as give back to the center she calls home. I want to be an actress and when I'll be an actress, my first innings will be like I'll donate it here to other children because I, I know that other children the same age as me will be here too. So they know I want to donate them something to, to make them feel at home like I did. Jacob Matakanye from the center says they've been flooded with requests to take in kids that have been abandoned in recent weeks. But with lack of funding, they've had no choice but to turn back the kids. We've got a lot of pressure. People need a request our intervention so that we can take kids to come and stay here. But we've got a problem that at least at present we have a problem with funds. And then we are afraid if we take more children without resources, Again, we, we, we will cause more problem of, of, of not able to feed them or take care of them. Shelters for older people have also been turning away stranded foreign nationals. Beman Baloy, Musina. Now hundreds of uh, travelers at the Libombo border post linking Mozambique and South Africa are still frustrated as they are forced to queue for too long waiting to go through the border. Authorities confirmed that the long queues are caused by the COVID-19 testing procedure as many Mozambican citizens and other travelers are on their way to South Africa. Mutsibi Wamunareng reports. Migrant workers returning to work in South Africa are obliged to queue waiting to be cleared and tested for COVID-19 before they are allowed into the country. Government has deployed 20 health officials to screen travelers at the Libombo border post, but the process is very slow. Some of the travelers claim that they have been queuing for days waiting to cross the border. I have been waiting for three days. The queue is very, very bad outside. I'm going to work. So I take three days here just because it's very, very bad to come inside. When I came here, I found the officials closing the offices and it was already late. I only managed to stamp my passport in the Mozambican side. But when I came into the South African side, it was already late and I couldn't stamp my passport and also be tested. South African authorities, however, says the traffic jam on the Mozambican side has now been reduced from 20 to 6 kilometers since last Wednesday. But the COVID-19 testing process remains a challenge. Libombo Border Post Manager Obed Maditsi says they are facing a daunting task. We are very much concerned because now, you see, uh, this queue during this time is normal. When before a COVID-19, we will have these queues and then on daily, we will process around between 8,000 and 10,000 per day. But because of this 
COVID-19 protocols. Our processing range, it moves between 3,000 and 5,000. As you can see that we are having a shortfall of extra 5,000, which we could have done in a normal process. On Saturday, over 75 positive cases have been recorded at this port of entry and all were Mozambicans and they were returned back home. As many sectors are reopening on Monday, the road networks will also be congested with traffic. Community Safety Security and Lising spokesperson Mweti Musi says traffic was flowing well. As most people will be expected to be returning to a traffic flow on most roads of the province is going relatively smooth, such that there are not too many vehicles. We were counting about four to 500 vehicles per hour on most roads in the province. Uh, roads such as N4, N12, N17, R573, R570, N2, N17, among others. So we are once again encouraging motorists who will be driving back to various destinations uh, in and outside the province to use the road as cautiously as possible so that they can arrive safely wherever they are going. The authorities have called on the public to always wear their mask to minimize the risk of contracting the virus as well as spreading it. The Portfolio Committee on Home Affairs is also expected to visit both Bedbridge and Lebombo Port of Entry this week in an effort to ascertain progress on the elevation of challenges that led to delays that created the congestions. Bombela. Now Sunday was another day of struggle at the Fixburg border between Lesotho and South Africa. Frustrated holidaymakers had to brave the sweltering heat on the long queues before they could be serviced. Lesotho has introduced a lockdown level, level termed orange level, which is less stringent than red level, an almost equivalent of alert level, alert level 5 lockdown in South Africa. Only Basutu with negative COVID-19 certificate and work permit can cross into South Africa. Mahala Masiteng reports. Exhausted travelers have appealed to the Lesotho and South African governments to speed up processes at the fixed back border between two countries. Although traffic congestion has eased at the border gates since the announcement of Lesotho's orange level lockdown, Travelers are concerned about the delay as they cross into South Africa. We are unable to cross over to go to work. We have been waiting here since Monday. Lesotho is failing to deliver, but we have voted. We are even hungry. We are struggling when we have to cross to South Africa. Our country is failing us. My view is that these two countries should be merged. It is very difficult for us. We are going to South Africa for job opportunities. Free State Health MEC Montensiu says both countries are working together to control movements at the border gates. The meeting resolved that Lesotho will start testing from their side of the border using the same test kits as NHLS to assist in reducing the queue. There is better management at the moment of the queues and the movement is much better as Lesotho has already started uh, testing. Developments are that the Minister of Lesotho 
will provide transport for Basuto that test positive to be transported to the quarantine site as before after testing they would they would just go back to the public transport and that was spreading the virus law enforcement officials have been placed at different routes leading to both the maseru and fixback borders amakhala masiteng in fixback border across the globe every second there's always a breaking story kultanjoy for channel africa radio in ethiopia's capital addis ababa reporting for channel africa i am hilda kekeloa in zambia our cutting edge and hard hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned giving you the whole picture every time george muhango channel africa blantaya reporting for channel africa this is moki kinzeka in Yaoundé. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa. This is uh, the Monday edition of Africa Rise and Shine on Channel Africa from an African perspective. Good morning to you. The Kingdom of Eswatini has strengthened its lockdown regulations following an increase of COVID-19 cases since last month. So far, more than 4,000 positive uh, COVID-19 cases have been recorded and about 140 people have died due to the virus. Eswatini government has announced that international traveling will only be allowed for medical attention, schooling, work and business. Social gatherings have been banned and barriers beyond the three-day period from the date of death will require a permit. Mtobisi Mkalipi reports. As the whole world continues to battle against the coronavirus pandemic, some countries are reviewing and strengthening their lockdown regulations. The government of Eswatin has already announced new lockdown regulations following the increase of people who are testing positive for COVID-19. Eswatini acting Prime Minister Temba Masugu says only people with special permits will be allowed to travel to other countries. Masugu says gatherings are prohibited except funerals, but only 50 people will be allowed to attend funerals, which are also limited to two hours. Traveling from Eswatini to other countries will be allowed for medical attention, schooling, work and business purposes. Our border officials will carefully scrutinize all documentation to ascertain that this directive is strictly adhered to. Cross-border freight should operate observing all SADA protocols and standards. Only essential approved cross-border travel with special permits will be allowed. Meanwhile, liquor trade is still allowed at Eswatini but only from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. between Monday and Thursday. Some residents believe that the action was long overdue. Now we care a lot. Now we know about Corona. Corona is there. It is deadly. It is killing people. We are happy about the lockdown. So it must continue. Even the two weeks that we are given, we need an extension of the lockdown. The inflow in and out of people that is under control. 
prison being, you find that there are some people who are, who are COVID positive. Indeed, those people are allowed to sleep low. President of Swaziland National Teachers Association in Eswatini, Mbongwa Lamine, has commended the Eswatini government for postponing the reopening of schools. We are, happy, we are happy about the position that has been taken by the Minister of Education that we, we they decided to postpone the, the, the opening of schools because of, of the situation. So us as a, as a trade union of teachers, we are saying that the government should make sure that before schools are open, the schools should be safe for teaching and learning. So if the schools are not safe for teaching and learning, therefore it is best for, for the government to wait. Lamini also confirmed both the association's secretary and the treasurer recently tested positive for COVID-19. Government also confirmed that the restrictions will be reviewed after 14 days or earlier if the COVID-19 situation deteriorates. I'm Tobi Simkalipi in Bombela. Now, death is stalking the rural areas of South Africa's Eastern Cape as the second wave of the coronavirus pandemic continues to sweep, to sweep across the country. The COVID-19 death toll in the province uh, continues to rise at an alarming rate during the previous 24-hour measurement period. Another 85 people were claimed by the disease in the province and more than 8,600 since the start of the pandemic. But despite the alarming death rate, ignorance and denial of the disease is still prevalent, leading to a lack of compliance with the regulations. Nkulule Konyembezi visited the family and filed this report. Sorrow, mourning, trauma and disorder. The Tuchana family is feeling hopeless. The pandemic sowed devastation in this family since the arrival of the coronavirus in South Africa. They have had to bury a loved one every month. Family spokesperson Dungisa Tuchana says they are devastated. We are confused and hopeless and we don't know what is right and what is wrong. We've been losing our parents, brothers and sisters. This invisible, cruel, infectious COVID-19 has been visiting this family for more than six times now. The graveyard is populated with my family members. bury one member after the other. The doors are closed and we are traumatized. The Dooms Tuchana says they are not just facing emotional distress, but are struggling to make ends meet now. We really need help from government to come forward and provide assistance in the family. There is no one working now. There are children left without food and even counseling. Health facilities and mortuaries are also struggling to cope. Since the start of the pandemic, there have been a number of mix-ups where families were given the wrong bodies to bury. This week, it happened to the Sozombida family in Lusigisiki. Family spokesperson Manono Sozombida says they are disappointed and now has to go through an exhumation and reburial. We're surprised just after 1600 hours, we received a call from the branch of the parlor advising us that actually we have buried the wrong person. The body that we buried is not our sister. As a result, they want to exhume the body. But before that process, we need to go to court and get the authorization. So we feel that um, the parlor had taken us for granted. The service of our sister was not given the dignity it deserves and we were painful. We are disappointed. We are angry. We're The level of non-compliance to the regulations remains a concern. The spokesperson for health department in the province, Cesar Kupelo, says people must play their part to save lives. 
the pressure would uh, go down only if people in the communities take it upon themselves to prevent the spread prevent it take all the precautions take all the non-pharmaceutical or non-clinical uh, measures to prevent the infections and the spread of the virus that's where we're going to win this thing the liquor ban has relieved pressure on hospitals with a drop in trauma cases the health department says it is able to move staff from trauma units to assist COVID-19 units. Kupelo says the department has also put more than 300 health workers, including doctors, doing community service. He says the Cuban-trained doctors also have had their contracts extended. I'm Mining companies in South Africa are doing all they can to avoid the spread of COVID-19, to avoid closure. To find out how they go about it, Itumeleng Khajane visited a mine in the country's northwest province where many of the platinum mines are situated and filed this report. A daily trip to the belly of the earth where Impala Platinum mine workers get to extract the precious metals with their health prioritized. Coronavirus remains a threat to them as it is for the whole world. The Rustenburg-based Impala Platinum mine in the northwest has a 40,000-strong workforce. Although it has already recorded close to 2,000 infections, but it has some of the strictest health and safety COVID-19 protocols to prevent its staff from getting infected by the deadly virus. Johannes Prinzlio is a general manager for Impala's number 16 shaft. Our people get ferried to our shaft um, from a central bus station where they get sanitized as they get onto the bus. Uh, as they get off the bus, disembark on 16 shaft, that's where they fall in line uh, to, to get into a screening process. At the screening process, there's various questions that are asked daily to ensure that they don't uh, show any symptoms related to COVID. They also get temperature screened through that. After that process, they then make their way into the change houses and from there they proceed underground. Dr. Irene Mampa of Impala's Medical Services says screening, testing, quarantine and isolation facilities are available for employees and their dependents. We had to have uh, organized our isolation facilities in an area which we called Maharing. Maharing was an old hostel which is just adjacent to the hospital. There we quarantine and we isolate the positive cases that are asymptomatic. People that come in, they're COVID positive, their home conditions are not conducive, the environment is not conducive. We isolate or we quarantine them in that area. The CEO of Impala Platinum Mine, Mark Monroe, says they also distribute immune boosters to the neighboring communities. To support the health of our people, because the healthier you are, the more resistant you are to the effects of the virus. So we've issued all our people with vitamin C tablets, those, with, uh, those that require, we've supplemented that with uh, zinc and uh, vitamin D tablets as well. Mining Union AMCU is confident that with this level of cooperation between all stakeholders, infections will be reduced. Tumelo Mohami of AMCU explains. 
since well, we, we close from the Christmas break, we sit well with the company, so that how, how we are going to close, how we are going to restart up. Within two days back, we are at DMR to mitigate how we, 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 we reopen, so we reopen well. So we impala introduced the, the test, which is uh, antigen, which is for 15 minutes of winter test for, for our employees, and a PCR, which is for 72 hours for the symptomic, uh, symptoms for the people who have, might have COVID-19. Mines are currently operating at 100% capacity and have been asked to follow COVID protocols. Itumelen Khajani, Rastenberg. Now, India has finally sent a date with the coronavirus vaccination drive January 16, 2021. After several training sessions and two pan-India mock drills, the Narendra Modi government on Saturday announced the date of the drive, which is seen as the biggest coronavirus vaccination program around the globe. In the first phase, priority will be given to frontline workers from various sectors such as health, education and police. Rana Sen has more. 300 million people will roll up their sleeves by July and the elderly and those sick will get to jump the queue. A huge task, said Rajesh Parekh of Mumbai's Jaslok Hospital. Finally, vaccines are available across the nation and uh, you know that's a tremendous thing. The concern, of course, is this is a monumental campaign. Nothing like it has ever been seen in the history of mankind in terms of the speed with which it will be implemented. On the other hand, we should be confident because we have successfully conducted two major vaccination campaigns. Meanwhile, SK Serene, the head of a Delhi COVID task force, called for tough action as the number of people infected with the UK virus rose to 90 in India. As of now, we should see that nobody actually enters India with the mutant virus. You do what you have to do. If there is an extra you know, trouble for passengers, for healthcare workers, but you have to save the country. So in that way, whatever decisions have to be taken, we must not allow this. Secondly, people who have sneaked out by one way or the other in the past should actually come out, support the system and get themselves or their relatives to whom they have come in contact to get them tested. India has so far tackled 10 million COVID infections, but not anymore, said Surgeon Arvind Kumar as worries grew over the new corona virus train. The health infrastructure and the health manpower will not be able to support another wave of corona cases. The state of the health workers is such that if we were to face massive number of cases across the country for another few months, there's going to be a breakdown, not because of infrastructure, because of acute shortage of manpower. People are physically tired, emotionally tired, they are drained. The new strain spreading from UK has sparked worries across the world. But what is needed is practical action, say experts. No country wants to import any coronavirus, especially, of course, this more rapidly propagating type of virus. And no country also equally wants to export it. So what we really need is not only a country-based strategy, but we need an international strategy. We need a coherent strategy which is validated to test and trace, isolate individuals. And now we have the tools coming out to test effectively and quickly as well. And one of them is Sanjeev Krishna, a professor of molecular parasitology and medicine at the University of London.
that report by Arana Sen in New Delhi. It is now time for the news headlines with Onelin Zinzi. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Social media action South Africa has questioned government's decision to keep Cuban doctors in the country when there are over 40,000 frozen posts in the health department and 500 unemployed local doctors in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Over 32,000 residents have fled the Central African Republic into adjacent, adjacent countries over fears of violence following the December 27 elections. And Democrats are expected to push ahead with impeachment proceedings against U.S. President Donald Trump this week as lawmakers push to hold him accountable for the mob riots on Capitol Hill last week. Channel Africa News, I am Onilinsinzi. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. In each and every one of us, there is a purpose and grace. We were all meant to shine. It is up to an individual to, to realize, realize that purpose. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Join me, Amanda Machaga, on Life by Design, where I will be talking to people who share their journey on how they discovered their purpose with a hope to inspire you to, to live, live your life, life by, by design. design. Tune in to Life by Design for your dose, dose of Monday, Monday motivation every Monday at 8 a.m. Central African time and at 2 a.m. the following day. Life, life by, by design, design, be the architect of your life. Only on Channel Africa, the African, the African Perspective. perspective. You are listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Good morning. Some consumers have urged the South African government to speed up the proposed law to allow pension fund members to use the pension fund savings as a guarantee to obtain a loan. The pension fund amendment bill will make it easier for working South Africans affected by COVID-19 restrictions to access loans for up to 75% of their fund balance. The bill is currently before Parliament for approval. Tsepo Mungwai reports. COVID-19 lockdown restrictions have left millions of South African consumers under more financial pressure. Household debt has spiraled out of control, and many are more than three months behind with their monthly credit repayments. It's a trap that some working South Africans may not be able to unleash on their own. Now the pension fund amendment bill has given some a glimmer of hope. Truly speaking, most workers are badly affected by this COVID and as I speak, we are desperate. So should this thing happen, it will be a very big relief for most of us because most of us as ordinary workers, we are stuck and we are trapped with credits because of this COVID. And we are still struggling because now we are no longer working the same as we used to. The idea of using pension fund for the people to get a loan, I think it's the best decision ever because people are still suffering while they have enough money that is waiting for some years to be reached out or sometimes not having any access of it until a certain time. I see the pension fund amendment bill as a good idea 
because in the past year south africans have lost jobs they've lost cars they've lost houses uh, children's school fees are not up to date so if south africans are given this loan from their pension fund it will be a good idea provided there's a criteria that this money this loan is going to solve their major problems but not for leisure the South African Pension Fund law discourages members to access their savings during their productive years. This is largely because the majority of South Africans rely on the state grants during their retirement years. Some experts are concerned that the proposed Pension Fund Amendment Bill could see more South Africans burdening the state. Pension Fund expert Elias Masilela says the proposed law must be accompanied by a plan to replace the drawn-down benefits. And hopefully post-COVID, they can be able to recover the resources that they would have drawn down. And what is important here is that as we think about this, we should not see it as a silver bullet to resolve the problems that are faced by South African workers. We need to see it side by side with an economic reform, which is going to make sure that post-COVID, once we've, we've hopefully gone over the hump of COVID, people can go back to gainful employment and they can be able to replenish the resources or the, the assets that they would have thrown down. Because if we don't do that, the likelihood is that we're actually going to be going back to square one. What we're trying to avoid of people not retiring comfortably will actually be facilitating it. Masilela says financial institutions have an important role to play for the plan to succeed. Financial institutions understand where the country is and how crucial they are as part of the solution of rebuilding the economy. And I'm hoping that they are not going to be as conservative as we know them in history, uh, as we think about the implementation of this proposal going forward, because its success is as important as um, the financial institutions are going to respond positively towards. As more over-indebted South Africans wait with bated breath for government to shed light about the proposed law, attempts to obtain comments from National Treasury have not been successful. But hopes remain high that this bill will soon be signed into law. I am Tepo Mungwai in Johannesburg. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. Kultra Njoy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. Our cutting-edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the whole picture every time. George Muhango, Channel Africa, Blantyre. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzeka. In Yawundi. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa. This is Africa Rise and Shine. Good morning. 
National Coordinator of South Africa's Traditional Healers Organization, Pepsi Lemaseko, has been laid to rest in Malalane, east of Mbombela in Mpumalanga province. Maseko died in hospital last week after a short illness. The funeral was attended by members of the organization, friends and family members. Mutsibi Wamunareng has more. A ritual performed by some of the traditional healers as a send-off to one of their own, Pepsi Letemangamane Masego. They burned an incense to clear and release her spirit to join her ancestors. Masego's funeral was attended by mostly traditional healers who were wearing their traditional regalia. Masego was hospitalized since December 26 last year until she succumbed. Her younger sister, Bakombisile Masego, says her family is devastated. Oh, as a family, we are shattered, we are torn apart. She kept on giving us hope and knowing her that she's a fighter. She's a hard-working woman. We knew that, no, she will emerge stronger. But she decided to rest. She decided to rest amongst the angels. Oh, Africa has really lost a leader. South Africa has lost a leader. Uh, internationally, oh, they've lost a leader. ATM has lost a leader. But what to comfort ourselves is that the comfort that we always give ourselves from the day since the news came to us, even now we are still shocked. It's, it's like, it's, no, no, someone will say no, she will come back. At the time of her passing, Pepsi Lema Sego was the national coordinator for all indigenous healers at the traditional healers organization. Described by those in her cycle, she executed her role with dedication and dignity. Her recent inclusion as the member of the Ministerial Advisory Committee on COVID-19 by Health Minister Dr. Zulim Kizem was another added accolade. The traditional healers organization says Masego was their voice on many issues affecting traditional healers. THO Skoko Dablamans in Dallas says Masego has played her part. The loss of her, it affected the whole nation because now we are stuck with the issue of the coronavirus and also with the vaccine. If she was still around, she was going to tell us if the vaccine, is it okay and healthy for the, all the human beings to get the vaccine or not. But now, so far, we are stuck as traditional healers. We don't know whether to use it to get injected or not. There, there was a time while she was fighting for us to use our herbs so that people can get healed. Chief Zakele Masego from the Royal Lunguni family says Pepsi Le Masego fought a good fight for all. As the highness has passed on, we have no words to utter. We have lost the pillar. She left a void in our life. She was a coordinator indeed. She managed to lead us today. We are occupying positions because of her inspirations. She supported us a lot. When we received the news that she is no more, we couldn't believe. The late Pepsi Lemasego survived by her husband, children really too, Nomsawazi, Stenjwa, her mother and her father, Tlavana Masego, Mutsibiwa Manareng, Mchechane Niamalelane, in Mpumalanga.
The Free State uh, Government in South Africa says plans are at an advanced stage to have the iconic Vaihuk Wesleyan Church in Bloemfontein declared the World Heritage Site. It is where the then South African Native National Congress, now South Africa's ruling ANC, was formed in 1912. Tabi Sohadebe reports. The historic church was declared a national heritage site in 2018. To be declared as the World Heritage Site is the highest level of prestige and protection a heritage site can receive. The church was restored almost a decade ago. Some of Mangaung residents say the history of the church should be preserved. Yes, I do know Vaihuk and I think it's very important to keep such places so that we can show the young ones how did they come about and the importance again is for them to know their history as children. ANC it's important to other people but there are those who don't see the importance of ANC but like I said uh, Vaihuk uh, can be used as a museum for the young generation to come so that they can know where is ANC coming from and I think it will be helpful to them. It will be a good idea to turn it to the museum because it will remember our ancestors, it will remember our history, where we came from, so that we can know where we're going. You see, it can show us many things. It can teach us about many things, about our root, about our culture. Free State ANC chairperson Sam Mashinini says the church is central in the history of the ANC. Birth of the African National Congress brought freedom. Because, as you know, 1994, we then ventured into a new democracy brought by the African National Congress. So this is very important for the people of South Africa to know and understand where they are coming from. Uh, That we were from apartheid uh, system, but today we are in democracy, and it's because of the African National Congress, which is where I'm standing, where the ANC was born. Mangaung Metro spokesperson Kondile Kedama says once declared the World Heritage Site, more tourists will flock in the city. We have engaged with other stakeholders. Uh, at the center of those stakeholders, it's um, Department of Arts and Culture. What will happen is we we waiting for the report from the UNESCO. As soon as UNESCO declares us, we'll be able to also put our house in order with regards to tourism, marketing the city, and ensuring that it fits well into the provincial uh, development strategy. The head of cultural affairs in the provincial arts and culture department, Vincent Keta, says they are awaiting response from the UNESCO World Heritage Center for inclusion in the list. The Wesleyan Church is one of the surviving buildings after first removal of 1913 and also the demolition of the buildings that were here. So the only surviving building is the Wesleyan Church and also the adjacent buildings. I think it's about three buildings which are here, but they are still in the private hands. So yeah, there is a collective effort between government and municipality to ensure that we buy those properties, enter into negotiations with the owners so that we agree. Because it will be good if government can take ownership of those buildings uh, so that we know that we can uh, start with the process of ensuring that this place becomes uh, a present. There's currently little activity at the church, largely due to COVID-19 restrictions, but post-pandemic and with expected elevated status, it's bound to be bustling. I'm Tabiso Khadebe in Bloemfontein. This is uh, the Monday edition of Africa Rise and Shine on Channel Africa from an African perspective. It is now time for the latest economic news with uh, Tabi Solihuku.
Thanks, Sukumbaru, and a very good morning. The Development Bank of Namibia has signed a loan agreement with the Development Bank of Germany to receive a funding of around 29,000 US dollars to fund the Non-Agricultural Small Business Loan Scheme. This is part of the government's stimulus package to mitigate the detrimental effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on the economy. The German embassy has confirmed the loan agreement, saying it was signed before Christmas last year. The African Development Bank Board of Directors has approved a new gender strategy for 2021-2025, investing in Africa's women to accelerate inclusive growth. The bank's director for gender, women and civil society, Vanessa Monga, says that this is a significant milestone for the bank as it will guide interventions in the next five years. The strategy, approved in December, seeks to strengthen the bank's commitment to achieve gender equality and empower women and girls in Africa. Sudan's Minister of Irrigation and Water Resources, Yasir Abbas, has expressed a deep concern over Ethiopia's intention to proceed with the filling of the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam and the absence of bilateral talks. Abbas's Ethiopian counterpart recently announced the country's plans to continue filling the dam's reservoir for the second year with 13.5 billion cubic meters of water starting in July after the rainy season begins. Abbas has criticized Ethiopia's plans to continue filling the dam without prior notification and agreements. He warned of the consequences to the nearby Roseris Dam, just across the border in Sudan's northern Blue Nile state. Heavy rains have destroyed crops infrastructure and injured seven people across Rwanda. The ministry in charge of emergency management said that disaster updates at the weekend indicated that 14 houses, 20 hectares of crops, four classrooms and one transmission line and a road section were damaged, while four livestock were killed. The damages were recorded in the districts of Nyamakabe, Kisagara, Kasabo, Kamuni, Katsibo, Rulindo, Nyanza and Kukikiro. Damages from other districts are yet to be reported. As the coronavirus pandemic takes its toll on African economies, Uganda's economic growth has slowed down to second slowest rate in the recent past. The Ministry of Finance, Planning, Economic and Development has said Uganda's gross domestic product is projected to grow by 3.1% this financial year 2021, which is lower than the pre-pandemic projection of 6.2%. This is arguably the second slowest rate since the financial year 2019-2020, where the economy grew at 2.9%. A look at your financial indicators at this hour. One US dollar will cost you 377.84 Nigerian Nara. 1076 Botswana Pula 109100 Kenyan shilling 2119 Zambian guacha and 1528 Namibian dollar Swazili Langeni Lesotho Loti and 7524 Malawian guacha In BRICS currencies one US dollar is trading at 5 real 41 Russia 75 rubles 5 India 
73 rupees 25 and china a dollar is changing hands at 61.47 and in south africa it's a trading at 15 rand 28. the u.s dollar is also trading at 73 pence to the british pound and 81 cents to euro Looking at commodities markets now, gold is trading at $1,831 and platinum $1,034 per ounce while brand crude oil is at $55.20 a barrel. I'm Tabi Solohoko from your favorite channel. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Well, thank you, Tabi. So, recapping our top stories this hour. Concerns of conditions at several South African border posts. And India to launch world's biggest coronavirus vaccination program. And that wraps up Africa Rise and Shine for today. From myself, Kumbaro Munjalele, producer Pamuzara Magaza, technical producer Mario Edwards, and the rest of the team. Thank you for listening. Taking us to the top of the hour is Brenda Farsi with a song called Batla Kekile. Cheers. Africa Rise and Shine. Africa Zorza. Africa
Thank you. 